Have you ever struggled with a New Year's resolution that you just can't seem to keep? Here's the good news. You are not alone. This is the episode that will teach you how to start this year with the right attitude. In today's episode, we are going to talk about how to keep your New Year's resolution throughout the duration of the year. By the way, does anyone know where New Year's resolutions come from? Why do we make them? And where does the practice come from? We will talk about that and more in this episode. This is the Motivational Voice Podcast, session number nine. Keeping yourself motivated takes work. If you don't work out your body, you get fat. If you don't work on your motivation, you become unmotivated. Welcome to the Motivational Voice Podcast, your source for inspiration and motivation to achieve your goals, empowering you one word at a time. Umar Jang is an author and a blogger, and he will get you motivated to do whatever you need to do. This is Motivational Voice Podcast, and this is Umar Jang. When I was recording this episode, a song popped in my head. And I couldn't get it out of my head. Has that ever happened to you? Of course it has. And this song was an old song from a Broadway show. Here, take a listen. That is, of course, the song Happy New Year from the Broadway show Rent. To be honest, my wife dragged me to the show years ago because she really wanted to see it. The show came out in 1996. Now, I know I'm dating myself here when I say 1996, and I may lose some of you, but please stay with me. I promise I have a point that ties to the topic of today's episode. Anyway, my wife took me to the show and I was concerned that I might not like it because of the topics of the show that at the time were somewhat controversial. Uh, they were a little dicey and they, they talked about sexuality and poverty and some other very controversial aspects of life back in the late 1990s. Anyway, we went to the show shortly after we got married, which made the show Rent one of my anchor memories. If you don't know what I'm talking about when I say anchor memories, uh, go back to episode number two. It's a MVP 002, and I'll put it in the show notes. And it's called How to Summon Motivation in Six Easy Steps. Basically, a memory anchor is a term that I created, and it is a memory that has strong emotional ties like joy, happiness, that relates to a specific moment in your life that you can use to help motivate you when you're down or need a little motivational pick-me-up. In my case, the strong emotion tied to this Broadway show was the fact that we had just gotten married when my wife and I went to see the show. We were dirt poor, but we were happy and we were in love and had just started to build our lives together. So that made that memory special for me. During the show, they had a song called Happy New Year, which was simple and catchy and fun. So that's how this song ended up in this episode, and I could not get it out of my head, so I figured, well, I'll share the wealth and get it stuck in your head, too. I am just kidding, of course. I just thought 
the song was appropriate for today's topic and that we are at the beginning of a new year as I'm recording this. As I go through life, I try my best to take in every moment, but I also keep my eye open for those special moments that you can relive and use as a source of happiness and inspiration because life is not filled with happy memories all the time. So sometimes you have to have the ability to go back and think about something happy that happened to your life or think about a reason why you, you want to keep going and doing what you're doing. Anyway, I would like to say Happy New Year from me to you and welcome to the first episode of 2017. I wish you a very happy 2017 and hope that all of your wishes, your goals, your aspirations, your hopes and dreams come true. I truly do. If you are struggling for whatever reason or going through a rough time or having trouble facing your challenges, let 2017 be the year when it all changes for the better for you. If you are new to the podcast, maybe you are listening to this for the first time, maybe it's 2018, maybe it's 2020, who knows. If that's the case, that doesn't matter really. Let this year be your year. Let this year be the year when you finally turn things around. That is my sincerest wish for you. If you are like me, and in fact, many people out there, you made a resolution this year. Congratulations on making that resolution, and I'm serious, I mean it. You want to do better, and by making a resolution, you just proved to yourself that you really want to try. You probably made a resolution last year and perhaps the year before and the year before that too. And maybe, just maybe, you are having trouble sticking to those New Year's resolutions. In fact, the large majority of New Year's resolutions fail for one reason or another. In this episode, I will talk about what you can do to set yourself up for success and start this year on the right foot. Now, what are New Year's resolutions? I know that sounds like a silly question, but really, what are they? Why do we have them in the first place? Where do they come from? Why do we make resolutions at the beginning of the year and not at the end of the year or maybe in the middle of the year? The tradition of celebrating the new year began in ancient Babylon 4,000 years ago in the month of March. So it wasn't January, but it was actually the month of March when the Babylonians would crown a new king, celebrate with festivities and make a promise to repay debts in the coming year. Now fast forward to the advent of the Roman Empire. The Romans changed that celebration from the month of March to the month of January to fit their own cultural celebrations of a deity called Janus. As a result, at the beginning of every January, Romans would make the promise to do something good in the coming year. Does it sound familiar? Today's New Year's resolutions are based on that practice. That is basically how this whole concept of making New Year's resolutions started. Over the years, it evolved to become a practice that is now strongly lodged into our cultural practices. Although today, most resolutions are focused on health and education and financial improvements and in some cases personal relationships than any religious rituals or practices, which was originally why New Year's resolutions came to be. So this makes the practice a worldwide phenomenon because it's not necessarily tied to any religion. By far, health-related New Year's resolutions are the largest. However, regardless of your resolution, the same principles apply when it comes to how to make those resolutions stick. 
Now, a new year often begins with a renewed sense of, of self. We pause, we take a break, analyze and reflect on the past year. It's one of the rarest moments when we get to actually sit down and think about our lives and think about how the year went for us. Perhaps it's, it has to do with the fact that around the holidays, we, we, we take a break and meet with family. And then that kind of makes us think about what's really important in our lives. You know, our jobs are important, but also generally the number one thing after that is, is our family. Or, or in some cases, the number one thing is family. And, uh, but whatever it is, we, we tend to think about those things around the holidays. Resolutions are, in a sense personal development goals we set for ourselves, much like personal development goals that you have set with your employer. We also resolve to improve some aspect of our lives, which kind of goes in tandem with what the Romans used to do, which is to, to make some a promise to do something. But in our case, generally in today's world, we make a promise to improve something. This willingness to be better, do better, and aspire for better things is completely natural, but it is getting more and more difficult given all the challenges that we have to face every single day. So we make resolutions, but we have these challenges that just seem to come out of nowhere. Research published by the American Medical Association reports that as much as 40 to 50% of Americans make resolutions. Those who make resolutions and follow through with those resolutions are generally 10 times more successful than those who simply say that they are going to do it. They make a resolution, but they don't really follow through. Making a resolution is not just saying you are going to do something, because that's just an intention. Saying you are going to do something is just an intention or a wish, nothing more. And, and that's an important piece of what we're going to be talking about later. You must take it to the next level if you want those resolutions to stick. You may find that this is very similar to what I said in episode 5 about goal setting, which, which was a very uh, interesting episode that I got some very good f- feedback on from, from listeners. So I'll, I'll put that in the show notes as well. That was episode 5 and it was focused on goal setting. Now, making a resolution is very much like making a short-term goal, which is a goal that generally takes you anywhere from 3 to 6 months to achieve, and in some cases maybe even a year. According to a Scranton University study, about 75% of those who make resolutions succeed for at least a week. 71% of those who make a resolution make it to two weeks, and 64% make it to four weeks. Notice a pattern here. Resolutions related to health and education seem to be more likely to succeed than those focusing on money or personal relationships. Now, That doesn't mean that you can't make resolutions around money and personal relationships. In fact, those are some of the top resolutions that people make to improve their lives, to improve their jobs, to make more money, and to maybe find a relationship or better an existing relationship. So those are important as well. I am giving you these stats so you can draw three conclusions. Number one, resolutions require a commitment from you. Number two, There are hundreds of thousands of people just like you who succeed in keeping their New Year's resolutions. And finally, number three, you have to have a process to get you to achieve your resolutions quicker. And like I mentioned in in that study, the longer you go in the year, the less likely you are to achieve that resolution. It doesn't mean it's everyone, but it can 
the challenges increase. Remember, the statistics from the study I just quoted are just an indication. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to be applying to everyone. But what this means is that the longer it takes you to achieve that resolution, the more likely you are going to be tempted to give up on it. So you have to have a process in place. I'm going to share with you six tips that can get you to finally get those resolutions completed. The first tip I'm going to share is make a list of what you want to accomplish during a year. This is important because we have a lot of things going on in our lives, as I mentioned earlier. We have our work life, which comes with a set of responsibilities that vary depending on what type of work you do. We are expected to be at work on time and perform a variety of tasks and projects. Then, of course, you have the interactions at work, all the things that you have to remember, the people you have to talk to, uh, the people's names that you have to remember, their stories, if they have children or not, and what they do when they go on vacation and what they did. And so you have to remember all those, those things. And there's pressure attached to that, uh, to all those things you have to do and remember. All this information and all the routines that you do at work are in your head. It is not written anywhere generally. You just remember it, right? When you get to work, you know what to do and you know exactly where to go off the top of your head. On the other hand, we have our personal responsibilities as well in our personal lives, which can be just as complex as our work life. In most cases, our personal lives are a lot more complicated than our work life. Just like at work, you have responsibilities. Pay the mortgage, pay rent, take care of the family, drive the kids to school, to swimming practice, to taekwondo practice, to dance lessons, remember to pay the bills, remember to go visit family, help resolve family issues. And who doesn't have issues? Uh, I have yet to see a family that doesn't have any, any friction in it. Uh, stay in touch with friends and yes, stay active by going to the gym and try to eat healthy. Did I mention unforeseen circumstances? Things that just pop out of nowhere? Now, imagine that you made a resolution for the new year. Perhaps you made a resolution to be healthier, make more money, get rid of a bad habit that may be holding you back, spend more time with the family. Whatever your goal is, whatever your resolution is, you are going to need to focus your attention on it for you to be able to achieve that resolution. The way you do that is by writing your resolutions down. Because if you don't, your resolution will get lost in the long list of responsibilities. Because if you try to remember it, remember what I mentioned about things that you have to remember and do at work and in your personal life? These are all tasks. Tasks and all the other things that you have to do in your life. So it's important for you to write your resolution down. Saying that you are going to do something, which is essentially what you do when you make a resolution, is not enough. You have to say it, then write it down. If you just make a verbal resolution, it will likely get drowned out by all the other responsibilities. And when something is out of sight, it is out of mind. The advantage of making a list of your resolutions is that you see it on paper. And most importantly, you can pick the most important resolution on that list and stick to it. Put it somewhere on your kitchen wall on your bedroom wall, your bathroom mirror, wherever you see it on a daily basis. Writing down your resolutions is the first step in making this new year a successful year for you. The second tip I'm going to share is about 
the resolution itself. Pick the right resolution. And I can't stress this enough. Picking the right resolution will determine whether you succeed at that resolution or not. When the new year comes around, we are at our most excited point in the year because we just perhaps emerge from holidays and we're a little more relaxed and we're a lot more focused. This is an organic excitement that comes naturally and it is at this very time of the year that you can really take advantage of that and set yourself off on the right foot to do many of the things that you wanted to do. At the beginning of the year, we feel like we are getting a second chance and we are willing to give anything a try. You want to make sure not only you pick the right resolution, but focus on the correct resolution because if you don't, you will be spending a lot of time making that resolution happen. You could be wasting that natural excitement that the new year brought just to realize later that you were focusing on the wrong resolution or perhaps you bit off more than you can chew. Let me give you an example. If your resolution is to stop drinking, but you are regularly hanging out with friends who drink as much as you do, if not more, that is not the right resolution for you to be making given your circumstances. This resolution is like saying, I want to get to the other side of the mountain by jumping across this huge abyss in front of me. The best way to get to the other side of the mountain is to use a bridge. The bridge to the mountain is a symbolic way of saying that there are smaller hidden resolutions that you have to keep first before you can make that bigger resolution of stop drinking. The first resolution you should make, in my opinion in this case, is to get away from these friends and make new friends. Of course, don't isolate yourself, especially if you have issues that you're dealing with. I wouldn't recommend doing that, but make new friends, better friends. Making new friends who are where you want to be in life or just share your aspirations is the right resolution to make in this case. If you think about it, we tend to make decisions that are influenced by people that we hang out with the most. So if you hang out with the wrong group of people, there is a risk of groupthink, which leads to really risky and poor decisions. Your second resolution in this case could be understanding why you are drinking. What feelings are you trying to numb? What emotion is causing you to want to drink? To understand those feelings, you may have to make a resolution to talk to a psychologist or life coach who can help you understand what triggers those feelings in you to the point that you'd rather be drunk or high than think about those feelings. Every one of these smaller resolutions will keep you in the right circumstance and frame of mind to finally be able to keep that bigger resolution of stop drinking. Now, you can go from one side of the mountain to the other a lot easier because you've built that bridge. There's nothing worse than having that feeling that you failed to keep a promise that you made to yourself. That feeling of failure can be very, very demoralizing, especially for those of us who are pessimistic about life. So again, so make sure you pick the right resolution even if it means making smaller resolutions to build up to that larger resolution. Tip number three is all about focus. Focus on one major resolution, one. In the previous step, I mentioned that you may have to make smaller resolutions that will ultimately get you to your bigger resolution. But whatever you do, make sure you work on one resolution at a time, especially if It is a resolution that can drastically change your life. 
And the example I gave about the resolution of stop drinking or stopping a bad habit, if you want to maybe extend it to your own life, if you don't have any issues with drinking, it's important to actually make sure you break those steps down. Don't let your focus be divided. One of the biggest obstacles to achieving a resolution is having a divided focus. And perhaps to better explain this concept, I'm going to use an example that anyone can relate to. Let's say you plan to do a chore, like uh, say, doing the laundry. It's the weekend and you know that you need to do your laundry weekly so that you have some clean clothes to wear for the coming week. But you have a problem. Your focus is divided. By divided focus, I mean you are allowing yourself to do multiple other things when you are supposed to be focusing on doing the laundry. Focus can be a powerful tool when it is used correctly. You use your focus correctly when you say to yourself, I am going to forget everything else for the 10 minutes it takes me to bring my clothes from the bedroom to the laundry room, load them into the laundry machine and turn that knob. When you take that just do it approach to a task or a project and you use your focus the way I just explained it, you start to get things done and you start to see results. But I must caution you, for this to work, you must learn not to think about what comes after. Why? Because what comes after can be an overwhelming thought and a distraction. Here's an example. What comes after you turn the knob on the laundry machine? The laundry is done, right? Now you have to take it out of the wash. You have to triage the clothes. Some get into the dryer. Some absolutely cannot go into the dryer or they'll be ruined. And trust me, I learned that the hard way. The first time I did the laundry, I shrunk some of my wife's favorite tank tops. And yes, I do the laundry at home for myself and my wife and my seven-year-old son. I taught my two other boys who are teenagers to do their own laundry because this is a skill that I think everyone needs to have. Anyway, what comes after you dry the clothes? Well, now you have to iron them, right? What comes after you iron them? You have to fold them and put them away. All these things are the things that come after you turn the knob. And frankly, that sounds like a lot. And it is one of my least favorite things to do. But when I want to do the laundry, I don't think about the comes afters. I don't think about what comes after. I just focus on doing that first step, getting up, getting the clothes down in the laundry room and just doing it. Whenever there's a task that needs to be done, there's always a struggle, an inner struggle that you sometimes have. And in my case, I could be working on my young adult novel. I could be recording a podcast. I could be working on my own business. I could be spending time with the kids. I could be seeing a movie, etc., and so on and so forth. So your brain is constantly tempting you to do anything else but the laundry. If you think about all these steps before you even get a chance to get off the couch to go get the clothes, what are the chances that you will postpone doing the laundry? Pretty high, right? You may very well give up when you think about all these things that you have to do afterwards. When you give up, guess what? There goes the chore. Now, this is just laundry, and if you don't do it, it's not the end of the world, and at some point, you will have to do the laundry because you will run out of clothes. But what if this is a resolution or an important goal or promise you made to yourself or someone else? What if this is something that could impact your life or your family negatively? What if your resolution is a missed opportunity to get to where you want to be in life sooner? 
Now, I did not mean to turn this into a laundry tutorial, but this is a good example for the point I'm trying to make. For your focus to be undivided, don't think about what comes next. Instead, think about what you need to do right now. Think about step number one and just step number one and take it one step at a time. The way I see it, motivation is a three-piece puzzle. Action, focus, and hunger for success. Being motivated alone is not enough. You have to take action. That means stop making it complicated and just take that first step. You need to stay focused. That means work on that one thing and only that one thing. Maybe starting with step one, getting the clothes in the machine or taking the clothes from the bedroom to the laundry room. Start with that first step. Finally, be hungry for success. Do you really want to be successful or is it just something that you convince yourself you want to do but deep down you don't believe it? Why don't you believe it? Why? What makes the other successful person better than you? Why can't you be the one to get things done? You have the tools. You know what to do. I am telling you what to do here, step by step. So what is the problem? I believe you can do it and I don't even know you. Let your hunger for success remind you to take action on your resolution. If you feel motivated by what I just said, grab a piece of paper, write it down and stick it to your wall, your mirror, your car dashboard or wherever you see it the most often. Go ahead and write it down. Action, focus and hunger. And let those three words remind you what we just talked about here. When your focus is divided, you are either not going to reach your goal or you are going to start a lot of good things without ever finishing any of them. So apply some of the things I talked about in this step to be more focused. Okay, that's a lot of information I just threw at you. Let's do a quick recap of the three tips that we talked about. The first one is make a list. The second one is pick the right resolution to work on. And the third is focus on one resolution at a time. Now let's move on to step number four. The fourth tip is time management. Admit that you don't control time and that the best time to start is today. Time is linear. We don't get to go back to yesterday and we don't know what tomorrow brings. Therefore, today is when we make things happen and build a future. The challenge, of course, is that we are pulled in 100 different directions in today's world by so many things. Work, family, hobbies, entertainment, distraction, and, and even illness. At the height of our activities, my wife and I had all three of our kids doing some type of activity. Traveling soccer, basketball, swimming, track and field. And my kids go to three different schools, which meant that we had to often divide and conquer. Even with my wife helping and occasionally my in-laws, it was a challenge to do everything we needed to do to take care of the boys. At some point, you have to admit that you cannot do it all. At some point, you have to schedule the things that are most important to you that must be done. And everything else will have to take second seat to the most important things in your life. Maybe you can't watch TV every day. If watching TV and I like to pick on watching TV because it's one of the easiest things that can take a lot of time from you. And don't get me wrong, I like to watch TV myself, but I do it 
on a moderate basis. I do it occasionally and I do it mainly to bond and spend time with my wife who, who likes to watch TV. You know, she likes to watch her shows. So there are a few shows that we watch together that we both like. And I, I use that as a way to spend time with her outside of going out or, or spending time doing other, other things. But no matter your interests, if watching TV is important to you, maybe you could binge watch your favorite TV shows occasionally rather than watching them on a daily basis and letting time get away from you. If you think about it, we don't have 24 hours in a day. We absolutely don't. We are awake for about 17 hours. We spend 8 to 10 hours at work. And if you work more than that, then you even have less time. And that includes driving to and from work. After that, we have about 5 to 7 hours left. Those remaining 5 to 7 hours are divided between making food, family ex extracurricular activities, exercising if that's important to you. If you are single, you may have a little extra time on your hands, but ultimately, we all have to schedule the things that are important to us. So what I would suggest is get a whiteboard and map out everything you need to do for the month to make that resolution happen. Get a calendar app if you're more comfortable with that. Get an app on your smartphone that will remind you of the things that you need to do on a daily basis. In my case, we have a calendar in our kitchen that we all look at, that we add the family activities, and I also have an app and a personal calendar that kind of comes up on my smartphone and tells me what's coming up and what I have to do today and tomorrow and for the month. And the bigger calendar allows me to look at the bigger picture. I can look at the month and see what's coming up. Do the boys have some, some modeling shoots they have to do? Do they have to go to some school activity? Do we have to attend a performance or a conference? Whatever it is, I can look at the monthly calendar and see what's coming up. Now on to tip number five, be willing to change. This sounds silly. We make resolutions, we want to change something, but we will be willing to change. Success in anything you do has as much to do with taking action as it does with your mindset. If your mind is not right, if you don't believe that you can do this, it will make it harder for you to make these resolutions come true. Trust me, it will. You may not realize it, but it will. When it comes to motivation to get things done, your state of mind drives you more than anything else. Think about it. When you get some bad news about a friend or a relative, it can affect you so much that you can't focus. And we talked about how focus is important in, in achieving that resolution. This is why some employers will give you time off work if someone passes away, someone that's close to you. It's called bereavement leave. That allows you to basically grieve when someone close to you passes away. Employers know that you are no good to them when your mind is not focused on the work that you are doing. They would rather give you a leave, have you take some time off, and come back focused and recharged. When it comes to New Year's resolutions, the moment you resolve to do something, you have to change something. I'm going to say this again. The moment you resolve to do something, you have to change something. To resolve is to commit to a change. This can be a single change or a set of changes. This has to be led by a man mindset change. Now, it is not as complicated as it sounds. It just means that you will do something better. You will do something differently and you will actually commit to making that change. If your New Year's resolution is to get a new job, for instance, take a moment and think about the things 
that could be preventing you from reaching your goal. Write down as many of them as you can think of. And here, if you need to pause the podcast and write those down, go ahead and do it and do the exercise. Write down all the things that you believe are getting in your way. After you have that list, these are obstacles that could get in the way of you keeping your New Year's resolution. Now, some of these things on your list may be things that you don't want to change for whatever reason, even when a better alternative is available to you. For example, you may feel that even though you are not happy with your job, you know how to do your job and you are really good at it. You may be thinking, if I change jobs, I now have to learn a bunch of things, which means I have to depend on someone else to train me to do my job. And that can be disheartening and scary. There's a fear that is associated with change. And good change, positive change, any meaningful change should make you afraid. You should be scared. But the challenge is overcoming those fears to do the right thing for you. The fear generally causes your mind to be resistant to the change that you're trying to make, even if it's a positive change with tremendous benefits. This unwillingness to make the change is a self-imposed barrier to your resolution. That's all that is. It's a self-imposed barrier. You are making the decision, even if you're afraid, to not go forward. It may be because you're afraid. But what do they say about courage? Courage is not the absence of fear. It is taking action in spite of fear. And I'm kind of paraphrasing here off the top of my head. Think about all the things that you've changed in your life since you were a teenager. Was it hard? Maybe. It, and it probably was hard. Did you survive them? Yes, of course, because you're listening to this podcast. Everything becomes familiar and ordinary and easier with time. So don't let those obstacles on your list get in the way of you making a positive change in your life. In fact, if you did write down a list of things that could be obstacles to you achieving your resolution, take that piece of paper, crunch it, turn it into a ball, and toss it in the trash. And as you do that, all the things that are preventing you from committing to your resolution are now gone. They are symbolically and figuratively gone in the trash. So in short, change that can positively affect your life is a good one to make and it's well worth it in the end. Now, tip number six, take action. Now, this goes without saying, don't wait until after January, don't wait until February or March to get started. The longer you delay getting started on your resolution, the more likely you are to give it up. So do it now. Just start. Just start somewhere, okay? Just pick up a task and get started. Taking action is about taking that first step when things are imperfect. When things are perfect, everything is fine and dandy, it's very easy to take action, right? But when things are challenging and imperfect and you want to get started, that's really when you should start. That's when you get value out of starting. But the point is, just get started. More often, you will find that there isn't a clear-cut way of finding out the right place, the right time to start. Generally, you have to just do it. You have to take action when it feels strange to start. It is always too early. It's always too difficult. It's always too late. It's always too time-consuming to do this and to do that. It's always too something if you let it. If you don't work around life, you won't get anything of great significance done. Think about it. There's always a reason to not do something. And when you find the perfect time, it's not necessarily perfect. There's always something going on 
at that time. It may be less of whatever that thing is or more of whatever that thing is. But you're picking, you're making a choice to just get started at a time that you think is perfect. And I'm here to tell you that the perfect time is today, not tomorrow, today. When I came to the United States many years ago, I found myself in a dilemma. I had a degree that wasn't being accepted by employers. So whenever I interviewed for a job, they told me that I was either overqualified for it, not qualified for it or that I needed a degree that they could see was from a university here in the United States. So what did I do? I went back to school. I worked three jobs and I went back to school. And I did what I have to do. It took me longer to get that degree, but I got it. I got my bachelor's of science by mostly taking evening classes. I went to school after my regular job. And I went to school after taking care of the boys and after spending time with my family. And I did what I had to do. And I will do it all over again because what I realized was that there was never going to be a good time for me to start. And I'm glad I started when I did because it would have taken me a lot longer and it would have been a lot more challenging now for me to do it than back then. So if anything, take inspiration out of my story and get started. You can do it. Now, I may be belaboring the point, but taking action is as simple as looking at that first step. And I already said this. You need to just look at that first one and make a commitment to do it. Schedule it, put it on your calendar and do it. That way it is written, it has a space on your calendar, which means that you gave it, gave that task life and that it is not going to sit there, it is now going to happen. You do that, then you move on to the next task on your list one at a time. There's a French proverb that goes like this. Petit à petit, l'oiseau fait son nid. It literally translates to little by little and I, I know there's an equivalent of a French or I'm sorry of an English proverb but I'm translating this literally and it says little by little the bird builds its nest this past summer and I kid you not I saw a bird build its nest right above our front door I was so fascinated by it that I let it build its nest I watched the bird fly in and out carrying one straw at a time one piece of grass at a time, and little by little, that nest grew and grew until one day, three baby birds flew out of it. The funny thing is that during the time that the bird was building its nest, it became very protective of it. It would fly high in the sky and dive at our heads with threatening noises. Whenever the boys, whenever I went outside to get in the car, the bird would fly high and just kind of dive at our heads. It wasn't attacking us, but it was making very threatening noises and making it clear that it didn't want us to mess with what it was doing. I'm telling you this story because we could all learn a lesson from this bird. Work on your resolutions one step at a time, and if you have to, protect your resolutions and your goals from any distractions to achieve it. There is great power in just taking action, because taking action forces you to take that first step, then the next, and the next. The biggest challenges in life can be overcome with action. Take, for instance, the story of Jason Aristizabal. His story is a true example of what taking action looks like in real life. Jason is a man who was born with cerebral palsy. For those who don't know, cerebral palsy is a neurological disorder caused by the malformation that happens with while the child's brain is under development. Cerebral palsy primarily affects body movements and muscle coordination. A doctor told his mother that 
he would not amount to anything. Jason took that as a challenge and set out to not only be self-sufficient, but decided to help rehabilitate children with disabilities in his parents' garage. He started a foundation in his parents' garage. His foundation eventually grew to offer physical therapy, reading classes, and medical treatment for dozens of children who would have been abandoned or ended up homeless in the streets. In many third world countries, and I grew up in one, and I, I can tell you that this is true, people with disabilities are seen as worthless. If you grew up with someone who has a disability, it meant that God somehow was punishing your family. If you have a disability, you are likely to not get offered a job. And it also meant that local government services would not even spend a penny to help you. You had to do it on your own, even though you were at a disadvantage. People like Jason, who have much tougher challenges than the rest of us, take on life and make a lifelong resolution to not only succeed at what they do, but also help others who are less fortunate. They lead a much more fulfilled life knowing that they were making and they are making a difference. Jason's story is incredible. The way he overcame the daily challenges that he is faced with every day are truly inspirational. It is no surprise that he was nominated CNN Hero of the Year last year. You can watch the video and get his full story in if you look in the show notes i'll put the link to the video there so you can check it out it's a it's only a few minutes long and it's really worth watching i mean it's, it's totally inspirational now i picked this story because it reminds me of my own brother my older brother throughout his life he faced some of the same challenges that jason faced growing up i saw people treat him as if he wasn't a human being his speech is impaired and he is hard to understand, even for me at times. He has constant tremors that shake his entire body. He has a, a strange walk and the muscles on his legs and arms have not fully recovered from an onset of polio that left him unable to walk until the age of 13. Now imagine that. I was able to walk to school and he could not. He could not walk until the age of 13. Because of that, he didn't go to school. Yet, he is incredibly smart and positive and he is one of the strongest people I know today. My brother lives abroad and we don't get to see each other a lot. But when I make a resolution and I am tempted to slack off for any reason whatsoever, I think about my brother and what he faces every single day and how my daily challenges are peanuts compared to his. That motivates me to want to achieve my goals and keep taking action. Now, maybe you don't have someone like that in your life to give you that inspiration, and that's okay. You can draw inspiration from other people's stories like Jason's. Jason's story is not your story, and it certainly isn't mine. But the inspiration you get from listening to stories like this one or listening to this podcast is 100% yours. By listening to the podcast, by listening to these stories, you feel inspired. That inspiration is 100% yours. So put it to good use. Take that motivation and apply it to your own life. Think about why you want to be successful. Think about the rewards, whether they are emotional rewards or financial rewards that you can get when you take action and are able to say, I made my New Year's resolutions come true. You guys know me. I like to tell stories. After all, I come from a country where for a long time, stories were handed off from generation to generation and were used to teach and motivate. But I do it to put things into perspective. 
you and I, the normal people, those of us who are lucky enough to be disability and disease-free, generally have one thing that gets in the way of us achieving our resolutions and our goals. So, whatever your circumstances, I urge you to look at the bigger picture. There is always someone who has it worse than you. You only fail if you stop trying because the moment you stop, it's final. It's done. So my advice to you is to believe in yourself and what you are trying to achieve and take action. All right. So that was a long talk and I hope you found it valuable. Now let's recap the six steps that we talked about, the six tips that we talked about. The first one was to make a list. Make a list of your resolutions. Step two was choose the right resolution to work on. Step three, focus on one resolution at a time. Step four, schedule important activities to manage your time. The important things should come first on your calendar and and on your daily lives. Step five, be willing to change. Don't just say it, believe it, and actually do it, even if you're afraid. Step six, none of the steps that we talked about will be useful to you unless you do step six, take action. Now, I would like to leave you with these words. Resolutions are goals. You need to keep them in mind throughout the entire year, not just the month of January or February. You owe it to yourself to do the best you can do to make sure that your resolution comes through. And I, for one, I am here to tell you that you can do it. You can be healthier. You can get a better job. You can get yourself into a more secure financial situation. You can get that education. You can get that job. And yes, you can find love because for everyone, there is a someone. You can, you can, and you absolutely can. All right. Feel free to contact me and connect with me on Facebook. The Facebook page for the podcast is the Motivational Voice Podcast. You can connect with me there or you can just Google me or use the my website where the show notes will be. That's umarjang.com and you can find information on the latest pod- podcast. All right. That is it for today. And as always, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, feel free to let me know what your resolutions are for this year and I would love to hear from you. That will do it for this podcast and as always, please stay safe and motivated. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Motivational Voice Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate it on iTunes. Get show notes and the latest blog posts at omarjang.com.